I'm David Mooney. And I'm Sam Lee. And this is Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. Each week we'll be looking at the main stories from the last seven days at the Etihad, and we'll also have the very latest big-name interviews, breaking news and reaction to the big matches, if there are any matches, obviously. This week, with City's game called off against West Ham, where will that fixture go in the hectic running, and what was the decision-making process behind the postponement? It's not silly season in the transfer rumour mill, and yet, from somewhere, it looks like last week City had a real shot at Lionel Messi. Or did it? And Pep Guardiola always seems to be held to a higher standard than other managers, so we're asking why that is. This podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bets with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Now, when I woke up on Sunday morning, I could hear the rain and the wind battering the hell out of my bedroom window. I must admit, Sam, that I wasn't overly disappointed that the game with West Ham was called off. The prospect of sitting in an uncovered seat for 105 minutes, wetter than I would have been in the shower that morning, didn't exactly fill me with excitement. Uh, But it's clear now that postponing the game could have significant knock-on effects for City. Um, First off, where is this game going to go now? Uh, Yeah, the old logistics. Logistics and football crossover. (laughs) It's It's not the most exciting football topic let's be honest where's it going to go uh, I mean it, it would make sense and I'm sure Guardiola would be pushing for it to go in the middle of next week so the 19th Wednesday the 19th of February seems to make complete sense from a City point of view I mean for West Ham you know they haven't got a massive fixture pile up later in the season with all the Cups and the Champions League or whatever but for them that you know they've got the same winter break as City have they could you know their players could come back Saturday or Sunday or whatever, train for three days, have the game. And their game is actually against Liverpool on the Monday night. So it's not like they've got a cram in a Saturday lunchtime kickoff afterwards. From City's point of view, I wrote about it over the weekend. Guardiola's always talking about rhythm. I think we mentioned it last week, actually, how he's talking about the Real Madrid game and how they've only got Leicester before that. But now, if you actually <laughs> offered him... They, yeah, there'd be even less. But now if you offered him West Ham three days before Leicester or four days before Leicester, and then Real Madrid, I think he'd actually prefer that to having played West Ham on the Sunday just gone. So I'm sure Guardiola will be pushing for that. Uh, I'm sure the staff at City won't be too happy with trying to get the logistics of that sorted out. But it makes the most sense, I think. And I'm sure West Ham, I don't see why they would disagree to it. It might not be as ideal for them as it is for City, but I think it's probably a decent solution for them as well. Is there any reason it can't go on the winter break weekend? Have they, have they just agreed that they won't do any of that? Uh, I'm not sure if there's any reason why not, because obviously they've got the FA Cup replays for start, which with the whole Liverpool thing, that crossed over with that, and you know Spurs and Southampton played. Um, but I think as much as anything, City's players have gone on holiday anyway. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure the exact reason why, but it's not going to happen. Uh, just speaking very quickly of uh, Guardiola, do, do we know what he's made of any of this? Has he, has he indicated what, what, what he feels um, about the whole situation? Well, I saw, I saw one of the members of the backroom staff wasn't just was probably as baffled as anyone else. You know, when it's four o'clock and it's sunny in Manchester and the, <laughs> the skies are blue and everyone's like, "Oh, what's the point in calling the game off?" Perfect weather for football. I, this yeah. Time. So I mean, and look, the footballers are normal people. I mean, often they don't do normal things and they don't have normal amounts of money, but they are people. And even I was like, "Oh, it's sunny now. That's funny." Um, so I'm sure a lot of them thought this game could have gone ahead. We were ready for it. We might as well have played it. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, it doesn't matter if it was sunny at kickoff. People, when they call the game off and in the hours after, you know, people were being advised not to travel. It wasn't safe to travel. It wasn't possible to travel. Trains were cancelled. Trams were cancelled. You know, there was floods on the roads right next to the Etihad Stadium. There were floods on roads near me. You know, it wasn't easy. Apparently, there was, it took five hours or could take five hours to get from London um, to Manchester. After that, obviously, in the evening, you don't know. You could have... West Ham fans stranded. I don't care if it was sunny at four o'clock. It wasn't in the build-up, and it was. It wasn't when It wasn't was when people were travelling. So, you know that, that. And those were the decisions that City and West Ham and the Premier League took into account. So, yeah, well, it's down there. to the clubs as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. If somebody gets injured on the way to the game, and City have said we can play this, despite warnings that 
the weather's damaging or dangerous, then you know, City are going to get more criticised for causing actual physical harm to somebody than some people being annoyed they haven't got a game to watch. Well, earlier this week, I wasn't sure if I was living in a bit of a dream world or actually in reality because there were stories that City believed that they had a chance, however slim, of signing Lionel Messi. After his public dressing down of Barcelona sporting director Eric Abidal, could the ground be fertile for Messi to swap sunny Spain for Manchester's five different weather patterns in one day? Sam, is it... It's not... It's never going to happen, surely? Well, not never. The thing is, I've been saying... Well, and again, you said there were stories last week. One of them was mine. So, and one of... And I think... Not the beauty of my story, but I suppose the difference to it... Well, I mean, I don't know why... Now, mine kind of went mad a bit in terms of the reaction to it, but, you know, earlier that day, there was one in the Sun, I think there was one in the Times, just about, oh, you know, the city of... This has been their stance in the past, and maybe it will be again. So I've been saying, look, it's never going to happen, but basically just to kind of temper people's expectations, because, unfortunately, people can't be trusted. You know, whether it's other media organisations, or our media organisation, or football fans or football fans arrival clubs. I've got a brother-in-law in Toronto, and he messaged me on Friday saying, what the hell, some kid in my class has just said, Man City are signing Messi. And I was like, see, this is what happens. You know, yeah, it's, this, it's, this it's stuff, the wildfire, isn't it? This stuff gets out of hand. So when I put a few tweets out afterwards going, look, it's not going to happen. But I mean, it's not 100% definitely not going to happen. There's like a 5% chance it's going to happen, or a 10% chance, which is nothing for a transfer. And it, like ordinarily, if there was a ten percent chance of signing a player, you wouldn't even bother reporting it. Like, what, and why would anyone want to know? Um, but the difference is, well, it's Messi. <laughs> but, but it's Messi and Guardiola. That's yeah, what's it's so... Messi, it's Guardiola, and it's Messi and Man City. And Messi and Man City and Messi and Guardiola aren't the same thing. Um, so I woke up on Thursday morning. I, was, I think I'd seen the story in the Sun, and I was like, "All right, that's interesting. Here we go again." I rang my desk just to check in, as normal, and they mentioned, they went, oh, there's a story on the back page of the Times as well. I was like, the back page of the Times? Hello. I was like, what did that say? And they were like, yeah, it's just, you know, that Ferran Soriano said this in the past, and if he does become available, then, you know, they'd, they'd be ready to move. So he was like, my, my boss was like, could you, could you do a story on City's attempts to get messy in the past? And I went, wow, I've done three or four of them for another company, you know, my previous company. I've done three or four articles. So I was like, well, there's no problem with that. It's all information I've done already. I can try and get some new bits of information. And I'll just tie it up with a bit of analysis at the end of... And the way I was approaching this was... I'd, actually, I'd written probably about 900 words before I had to nip out. And that was just the background of what's already happened. And in 2016, it legitimately came really close to happening. Like, comparatively close well, yeah. for I mean, a football transfer. But, like, how close? Well, Messi had decided that he wanted to leave Barca. He'd met with um, Luis Enrique, the, the old coach, and said he wanted to go. He personally... Apparently, this was reported recently... Uh, not recently, but at some point in the documentary. But I was told when I was writing this article, which I was really happy about, that Messi rang Guardiola personally to say, I want to come and play for City. So... I was like, well, that's great information for this story. And it goes to show that they've done that. And I remember speaking to somebody around 2017, which is when he signed this contract. Um, I think he was doing some kind of publicity thing or event with Suarez, I think, in Barcelona. And I think he'd seen messages from Messi about, I want to go to Man City and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was pretty close to happening in 2016. And at the time... City was planning to sign Stones, Laporte. I mean, I can't remember exactly whether Laporte had already fallen through by then. But, you know, Sane, that was going on. It was that summer. Yeah, so it was that summer when they were getting ready for Pep. But never mind they wanted to spend 100 million on the two centre-backs and whatever Sane was, 40-odd million. It was, okay. well, if we can get Messi, we're going to do it. But that's the point, isn't it? If Messi's available, you don't say no to that. Exactly. But four years ago, in 2016... He was. He was. Still, he'd obviously. He'd already been the best player in the world, <laughs> hands down, for like five years, like four or five years at least. So it was already a no-brainer then. But he was still late twenty. So it was like, who knows what peak is for footballers' ages anymore? But twenty-seven, twenty-eight years old. You, if you sign in Messi, you sign in Messi. Like whether it costs hundred million or two hundred <laughs> million or whatever. And this was before Neymar as well. You know, if you know City obviously saw the opportunity there. So that was interesting. So I, yeah. So. My, but my conclusion was basically going to be, but that was then and this is now. Uh, he's 33 now. 
Uh, I wouldn't say FFP is different, but there's a conversation to be had around that. Maybe FFP is going away, maybe it's not. You know, maybe City don't want to be seen to be spending more money than they've got. They want to buy at least five players anyway, as I've already talked about and written about. Like where would he quite fit in? So my conclusion would have been, this is what they've always done in the past. They've always been in touch. They will always know if he is available. But surely, in my opinion, probably not. But then as I was driving, I got a call from somebody. <laughs> and I, as it was ringing, as I waited to answer, I was like... Is in the Alexander having a medical? I was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> surely this isn't... Actually, I was like, sure, I was like, this would just be too perfect if it's about Messi. Because I'd already spoken to my boss and I was like, yeah, I've got it all in order. I'll try and find out if they're going to sign Messi. But look, I can't tell you now what centre-back they're going to sign. I can't tell you what left-back they're going to sign. I couldn't even tell you if they definitely want a left-back. I'm pretty sure they do. But I couldn't say, yeah, this is the situation. So I thought the chances of me finding out their stance on Messi guaranteed now, as opposed to four years ago, is pretty slim. So I'm going to finish this article with my bit of analysis. And then I got this phone call. I can't give away the details of who it was with or how it took place or whatever. But the long and the short of it was everything you need to know about this situation pretty much everything i wrote came from this from a source that i trust and it was like wow i can't believe it so it was so the long and the short of it is like we were just saying it would be a reasonable assumption to assume that 33 years old now they've got not other priorities but city need to do stuff you'd think they're not gonna they wouldn't go for him if he was available um but it turns out they will like they will they will go for him they think the most likely scenario this summer is he's probably going to stay at Barca. They think it's very difficult for Messi to leave Barca. That's a huge operation. And look, they know how, came, how close he came in 2016. Why but it still did, didn't happen. Why didn't he? Oh, yeah, in the end, Luis Suarez, who's like his great mates with him, the wives are great friends, the kids are great friends. Uh, and don't, I think they might live next door to each other as well. Um, and Suarez was just like, stay here, what are you doing? Stay in Barcelona. You won't like living in England. You won't like the weather. <laughs> I'm not sure if he said the media. It kind of rings a bell. But basically, Suarez convinced him. I think he's spoken about that as well. Um, so that's, that's all kind of on the record from their point of view as well. So that's why it didn't happen then. So City obviously know, even when he wants to leave, sometimes it, it's it, not it that, doesn't It's happen. not that simple, yeah. But they're thinking, they do think there is a chance. So when we go right back to the start of this and me saying, and tweeting in capital letters just to calm people down, look, it's, it's not going to happen. Most likely it's not. But at the same time, there is, like, there, is some, there is some chance City believe that he might leave this summer because the, re- the, uh, the reasons you mentioned, he not getting on with the president, there's no real prospect of new elections this summer which would change that. And at this stage of his career, I think City, well, City are thinking, well, maybe he'd want to change the scenery now you know, for a couple of years. And, and if he does eventually decide that, and this is the other key part of it, is they will just say, well, how much do you want? And the other, the other part of it, of course, is he's got this clause in his contract. Well, I was going to ask about this because like, I always think of Spanish players of having these clauses in the contracts where it's, oh, you can get them if you pay £396 yeah. million. And it's, like, it's completely... But that's how Neymar yeah. ended up leaving, yeah, yeah. the buyout clause. But like, what's, what's the one with Messi? Yeah, well, this isn't like a Spanish... Because in all Spanish contracts, they all have to have buyout clauses. But this isn't one of those. It just When he signed that contract in late 2017, which you mentioned... Um, he basically had a clause put in where at the end of every year of his contract, up until June the 31st, he can say, no, I want to leave. And that's more of a kind of administrative thing. It's kind of like a rolling contract, and it's never been an issue before because Barca have always been like, well, he's going to stay, and Messi's always like, well, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to stay. stay. Yeah. But it does go to show that I think the kind of previous unrest that he had and mistrust of the board years ago when he was considering going to City, maybe that was in his mind at the time and he's negotiated this contract that he can walk out on at any point, basically. Um, and now, you know, that's, that's the worry for Barca, that he can. You know, there was a report last week um, that it only applies to non-European clubs, but it doesn't. He can go wherever he Just wants. anywhere he wants. If, as long as he notifies them by the end of May, he can go on a free on July the 1st, which is mental. But it can happen. So that's what City are thinking. City are thinking, well, if he does do that, if he does, if he does want to leave, if he does trigger that contract clause, we will pay this money. We will also buy the other players we want, or some of them. But apparently, they'll buy the other players they want, and they'll get Messi somehow. Which again well, they, ties into the fact that they must not think they're going to get done for FFP by UEFA. I was going to say, if, if they don't, and let's I mean, assume that, that 
that is a story that's, that we're going to take a long time in kind of unravelling still. But let's assume that, that there is no FFP punishment. Surely the signature of Messi in itself would, would bring in all sorts of money anyway. Because yeah, it brings exactly, in within, yeah. like, it, it brings millions of, of followers worldwide. Yeah, exactly. So the other, I suppose the other big part of it with Messi is, look, I'm not asked about the fact he's 33 in the summer. Like, he's still going to be great. Like, it'd still be amazing. Just get him. Like, I, I think we mentioned about Guardiola recently. If there's a chance of having Guardiola for another year, or Pochettino now, now or never. for five years, now or never, I'd still just keep Guardiola for the extra year. I think Pochettino is great, but, you know, just, have, just keep Guardiola for as long as possible. I'm applying the same logic to Messi. If you can get him, even at 33 years old, not at 37, but probably, unless he's playing in the centre midfield, and he probably could. If you can get him at 33... I, I, I think that makes sense to do it. But you think his contract is apparently 100 million euros a week, which is mad. And you think, how could... Obviously, clubs could afford that, but with FFP, maybe not. But if FFP goes away, which it may do, if City... If UEFA do finally get around to announcing that City haven't been banned, which was supposed to happen in December and then supposed to happen in January, now we're in February. So I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you if they've changed their mind. But... If they don't ban City, there is a big feeling around European football that FFP will be finished then. So obviously then City could do what they wanted. But yeah, the other side of it is, you know, City have been grown as a brand anyway. But can you imagine... The, the brand the draw Messi pays for itself. Of, yeah, exactly. The, the draw of having Messi would be ridiculous. Like it would, as much as the club's been transformed anyway in the last 10 years. And we talk about the Guardiola era, the Abu Dhabi, the Abu Dhabi era, there would be a Messi era. Like if Messi were to sign for City, and let's go back to this 5 or 10% chance of it happening because it's unlikely, but... We've just talked for 10 minutes about how, you know, it's still, you know, it's, it's, still, it's, possible, it's not nothing. Yeah. It's not nothing. If it were to happen, it would, that would be the messy era. It would be worth it happening because clubs, would, well, sponsors would be knocking down City's door. And then they wouldn't have to worry about, like, even these allegations, even if they're not true, people are going to be saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's just Etihad or whatever and funneling money, blah, blah, blah. Even if, you know, even if that's not true, if it's messy... That just goes away because nobody then is going, oh, yeah, well, it's just Abu Dhabi money coming in. Because you'd have companies from all over the world going, we'll pay you whatever Falling you want. Falling over themselves to, yeah. Exactly. So it all, go, it all just goes away. So in, in, I suppose, and what I probably wouldn't have factored in if I hadn't have got the information about what you actually want to do, I probably would have thought, I probably wouldn't have factored in that element of it, the financial side, the sponsor side, the reputation side of it. Because if you've got Messi, those things go away. So yeah, that, that really does make a lot of sense. What does Guardiola think? Because <laughs> he's, I mean, it, it's a, I think this is an interesting because he surely will want to work with Messi again in his career. Yeah. But he keeps saying, I mean, I've, I've been back today and had a look. Even on that first day when he was unveiled as City manager and, and somebody heckled him from the crowd, are you going to sign Messi? He said, I'm sorry, Messi has to stay at Barcelona. Yeah, um, but now, the other thing now with this one, with this one right now, is there's a whole political situation, basically. Um, Guardiola, Chiqui Bagheera's time, Ferran Soriano, former Barca guys. Guardiola obviously still massively linked with Barca. I think wants to one day go back and be some kind of director there. Not the president, but some kind of sporting director or academy director or something. Um he doesn't want to be the man to take Messi away from Barcelona, to take him away from what Barca means as a club, what it means to Catalan independence and all of this kind of thing. He doesn't want to be that guy. But it's one of those situations. It's a bit like, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I'll dwell on it for a second, Arteta leaving. Arteta didn't really want, he didn't want to leave Guardiola and that in the lurch midway through the season. But at the end of the day, it's the Arsenal first team job. How often does that come around? Exactly. He wants to go into management. The time is right. Difficult decision for him, but he went for it. Fine. No problem with that. Difficult decision for Pep. Would he sign Messi? Yes, I think he would. But it would be a very difficult decision, and he wouldn't want to be the man to be seen to do it. But I think part of this whole strategy is, if it does happen, City want Messi to come to them. City want Messi to, to be the one to say, I'm leaving Barca, and I'm going to go to Man City. Not, not the other way around. They don't want it to be seen as... Well, the thing is, because this could quite happily be played out in the press if they wanted it to. I don't think it would get to that stage with City. But probably the reason Guardiola was asked about it in 2016 was there were rumours at the time that, Mess, uh, that City had made a couple of big offers for Barca players in Guardiola's first summer, which they like really thoroughly denied. But I think, obviously, they were pretty much true, or at least... Well, they wanted Ter Stegen. That's 
fact. Um, and the whole messy thing as well. But that's probably why he was asked about it. But they never wanted to be. And I'm imagining four years ago, it was probably the same thing. They didn't want to be the guys to take Messi from Barca. If it had have happened, it would have had to be, well, he wanted to leave. So you're not going to say no. Yeah. If he comes and knocks on your door, you're not going to say no. And that's basically the situation now. That might be a bit of a long, long-winded way of saying it. But effectively, if he is available, not only does he, does he have to <laughs> decide he wants to leave Barca, but then he has to do it off his own back, effectively, and Jorge Messi, his dad, or Messi himself, has to ring City and say, let's make this happen. And City need to be able to paint it in a way, or Guardiola will want City to paint it in a way, and this is maybe where the communications department would have to get involved, and say, well, look, what are you going to do? But obviously, at the same time, Barcelona would probably say they've taken. It would be that Bill Kenwright thing about Rooney. <laughs> they've taken our boy. You know, they they would paint City as the bad guys, which is what they did in 2016. Of you know, Guardiola's making these bids for our players, which is why City, well, Guardiola so strenuously denied it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna, if the chance comes to sign Messi, City are gonna do it. Guardiola will do it, but Guardiola wants it handled carefully. Could it convince him if they pulled it off to stay any longer? Yeah. Why not? It'd be stupid, like not just now, because there's always that thing with Guardiola in his future. He knows that he's got it as good as he's ever going to get it. He's, he knows he's the most supportive, supported he's ever going to be, um, financially backed, in the trust in terms of the players he wants, um, the relationship with the people he's working with. He's never going to get that anywhere else, and he knows that. But that doesn't legislate for the fact that he can still be tired, he can still be sick of it. But if you've got Messi, I think it would be stupid to have him for a year if Messi signs a two-year contract or a three-year contract. Guardiola would surely be stupid to go, I'm going to knock this on the head. If you've got Messi, it's a pleasure. And it, Guardiola is a fantastic coach, and we, which we'll, we will come on to very soon, who solves an incredible amount of problems, which is why his teams don't drop many points, which is why his teams break points records and win records and goal-scoring records. And... But the kind of criticism he gets, and it's kind of two sides of the same coin, is, oh, he's never won the Champions League without Messi, which, again, we will get to, and I think is nonsense. But if you wanted to give it a bit of credence, you would say, well, he's got these fantastic teams anyway, and if there's 5% that he can't legislate for in knockout competitions, then Messi can cover that. Messi's the difference. Yeah. yeah. So if this season City go out of the Champions League to Real Madrid, or even in the next round to whoever it may be, because of a stupid goal on the counter-attack or something... That's cup football. That's knockout football. That's the Champions League. It, it's it's horrible. That's how it happens. But if then you've got Messi, and all of a sudden, he he can do that to the other team. The other team might have a great plan, and they might have gone. Well, we scored three goals on a break against City, but Messi scored a hat trick. You know, it's like that. That's just what you can do. And we and look, you see it from the other point of view. Messi was fantastic against Liverpool at the New Camp, and and fantastic in his own way at Anfield, but didn't have the support, and they still lost because Liverpool did this fantastic team effort. But if you can combine what Messi can do with what Guardiola's teams can do, again, that's scary again. And I don't think Guardiola would walk away from that. And that would probably be City's best chance of getting him a new contract. So again, you can see the club are thinking, Hello, yeah. this, this is a two-for-one here. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Uh, and he's left-footed as well, and City need a left-back. So uh... could do, He could <laughs> genuinely do. I mean, it, it would take a very brave Premier League manager to whack even, him up, if, yeah. no, even if Messi was playing left wing back with no one behind him it would take a very brave Premier League manager to say you stay up the pitch and don't bother tracking it it wouldn't happen I'm sure he'd play on the right anyway and cut in or he could play false nine or I don't know even in a couple of years if his the goal threats diminish which I can't imagine it would be and he needs to come back in midfield he could do that but even if you were to play left wing back I can't imagine many teams would be worrying too much <laughs> about trying to get him behind him and just one more thing before we move on on this because I think it's something I've always wanted to do. When, when the first opportunity came around to, for me to be a Man City correspondent, I always wanted to be a journalist who was very open with people, or as open as possible as you can be without upsetting sources or you know, clubs or journalists or whatever. Um, so I'm going to kind of give a bit of background to what, it, what it's like to write a story and like Kind this. of where the story comes from yeah, and how exactly. it comes out. Yeah, exactly. Well, where the story comes from, we've kind of, like, kind of, there's a bit of a background of that in terms of how I was going to plan to write. Well, I didn't plan on writing anything about Messi that day. Then it was asked of me. And then I thought I'd do it this way. And then, yeah, it changed. But the other thing is, sometimes these are stories you don't want to write. Because credibility-wise, personally, and for The Athletic, I mean, with transfer stories with The Athletic, we, will, we have done and we will do transfer stories. But it needs to be kind of, this is definitely happening. Or at least they're looking at this guy and it's interesting because... Who knew that Man City... Like last year, for example, 
City were looking at Luka Jovic in like March. And it's like, well, that's interesting because who knew they wanted a striker? So there needs to be some kind of extra element to it. But credibility-wise, who got to gain anything from writing Man City want Messi? Unlike the day where there's been a couple of other similar stories anyway. Like, it just looks, to certain people, it looks bad. And you could, like, cynics could there's say a, There's the very cynical position of, well, you're only reporting it because other people are saying that. Well, and yeah, if you, if that. you say, oh, the X are reporting Y, yeah. it suddenly it doesn't really add anything yeah, to the story. exactly. Um, and there's also the other cynical position of, well, are you going to get a lot of clicks for that? And obviously, because The Athletic is subscription-based, you could get, you could reasonably say that's going to get a few subscriptions. Um, so, I mean, you could, you could believe that, but... Yeah, like, like I said, with the way we planned out the story, that was it was just going to be a background of, well, this is how they've always looked at him. It's a very athletic kind of thing. Yeah. This is the history of Man City and Messi. That was how I planned to do it. And then you get the information. And yeah, when I had that phone call, it was like, wow, this is great. But then you get off the phone and you think, for God's sake, <laughs> I've now got to write this story, which people aren't going to believe. And it might look stupid or it might look obvious or it might look like you're just ripping people off. And, and again, like people... I'm not saying this is a problem because it's very complicated, but people don't understand. I could know how long one person is injured for and not another on the same day because it depends who you speak to. You might speak to somebody who knows one player and not the other one. Or you, you could speak to the head physio and he go, oh yeah, he's injured for six weeks, he's injured for two. But if you don't know that guy and you know someone who's injured for six weeks, you don't know what the guy who's injured for two is. Or maybe you know someone in the dressing room and go, oh yeah, I heard him speaking earlier. It depends who you speak to that day. It depends who your sources are. Same for the transfers. When I, was, when I was told to find out if City are going to sign Messi, and the phrase was, oh, if you can find out that, oh, yeah, we spoke to him last night on the phone, great. And I was like, well, I'm never going to find out. <laughs> I can't tell you what centre-back City are going to sign. So I'm thinking, people are going to look at this and go, in, well, he doesn't know who they're going to sign in the summer. How would he know about Messi? And believe me, I was thinking the same thing. Um, so, yeah, sometimes you've got to do these stories. But at the end of the day, you're not writing what you, what you believe is possible. You're writing what City believe is possible. You're writing what's relevant. You're writing what... Even if it's not news, I've written before this season how City feel aggrieved by VAR decisions in the Bernardo Silva ban. I don't think they should feel aggrieved by the Bernardo Silva ban. And other people on the outside will say, get over it, VAR, it's crap for everyone. But I'm not writing what I believe. I'm writing what this is what they believe. And it's the same thing with Messi. And there's another example. Um, Jack, Jack Gorn at the Mail, a good mate of mine, a colleague. Last Monday, he wrote the story about the inquest in the dressing room after the Spurs game. And I noticed the way he tweeted it. We haven't actually spoken about this in much detail, but the way he tweeted it was, this is a funny one because Guardiola's always made a load of changes, but this is what the players say. And the story was, after the Spurs' defeat in the dressing room, the players said, Pep, you're changing the team too much. Now, I'm sure Jack would have been thinking, if I write this story, there are going to be thousands of City fans. In you, my you already know what the replies are. forum's going to say, well, Pep's always changed. Pep's always changed. He's always made rotations. He's never repeated the same lineup once in four years or two years or 18 months or whatever it is. Like, you're just saying this because City are losing now. Why weren't you saying this last year? But Jack, I'm pretty sure, would be in the same situation as me. And thinking, He's not the well, one saying it. This is what it, I believe. Yeah. I'm not saying this. This is, this is what the players are thinking. Sometimes you've just got to report what's, what the information is. Obviously, it's our job. And let's go back to me now. No point in opening him in too much, but it's a good example. <laughs> it's my job to decide who I believe. So if, if somebody had a message me, I've got people, I'm not going to name them, I've got people who I consider like third grade sources. They pass me something they hear and I'm like, well, I'm not going to do anything with that yet, but I might look into it. Yeah, because, might, check, might give it a check. Yeah, because I, I don't really believe that. I'm not sure how you would know that, but okay. But there's some people like, you know, the call I got the other day, if they tell me, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing this because it's, I'm certain it's true because you know years of building up trust because at first those people tell you and you go okay well I'm not sure and then it turns out to be true and then the second time you think okay I'll see and then you check it out and go oh yeah so yeah you build up that trust yeah. Um, so yeah so you just end up writing the stories that you you believe are genuine even if they're not what, what you believe so yeah writing a story about Messi credibility wise you could probably do without it because yeah. who, <laughs> who thinks oh this guy's great he's, he's saying Messi won us Messi wants to sign for Man City or Man City wants to sign for Messi because people aren't going to read what's in the story well, anyway. A- people don't read what's in the story anyway, especially when you have to pay for it. So you've also got that element of, well, people are going to read this and see two paragraphs and not pay money to subscribe to the rest. So they're going to have no idea. And that's, and- 17, there were 1,700 words in that article of pure context and nuance. 
that I know people aren't going to read. But basically, you've just got to write the information you've got. You've got to be true to what, what you know. And that's how your brother-in-law gets told that City yeah. is signing Messi, yeah. when that's not what you said. Exactly. And, but also, so you've got City fans then, and I'd like to think a lot of City fans would go, well, Sam's all right, but I can't see it happening, uh, which is fine. But also, you've got then Barca fans who are like, who's this dick? <laughs> and this is never happening. Like, Messi is not leaving Barca. I don't care what anyone says. And then it's such a big story. You've got fans who no idea who I am. Real Madrid fans, Liverpool fans, Arsenal fans, Inter Milan fans going, well, this is just nonsense. It's not going to happen. But what, what are you going to do? Like, if the information's there, the information's there. So that's that's kind of the the psychology of doing a big story like that. Sometimes you'd there's rather a, not have the information. Sometimes there's no way for you to win out of this situation. Yeah, genu- genuinely, sometimes you would rather not have it. Or you'd rather, you'd go, I just wish I had that two hours early or whatever. But... Sometimes you just got to do it. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe you can then pay for what you love and send back the rest for your stylist's time you'll pay a charge of just 10 pounds which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy remember you can try before you buy delivery and returns are free both ways and you don't need a subscription to sign up get started with stitch fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now that's s-t-i-t-c-h-f-i-x.co.uk forward slash athletic Now with the stories this week that City might have been looking at, Leo Messi opened the door for critics of Pep Guardiola's to again suggest that he's only able to win the Champions League, as Sam said, with Messi in the team. It got us thinking just how much criticism is levelled at Guardiola in spite of what he's achieved throughout his career. So Sam, is Guardiola held up to unfair standards? And if so, why? We'll get to why. But this is, this is incredible. And again, a little peek behind the curtain for anyone. We were going to speak about another topic today, but this subject came up with a mate of mine who's a City fan who sent me a message and I've seen a couple of messages today because there's some articles been written recently about Guardiola and his reputation this and should he do that and Merson at the weekend the whole best manager in the world you're having a laugh it's not fine if, if you don't believe he's the best manager in the world that's fine if you want to say well at the moment given the resources or whatever Klopp's performing better than him you can make that point but don't go the other way and talk about it as if it's <laughs> the most mad idea you've ever heard that Pep Guardiola is the best coach in the world like just you know Maybe this sounds a bit po-faced, but I'll show a bit of respect, maybe. you know. Well, I was going to say, why is everything that Guardiola has achieved not enough? Yeah, because nobody has ever achieved so much in football. And I mean so much. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens this season, but there's one season in his career where he's not won anything, and that was the first season at City. And we saw what he did in the next two anyway, so you can let him off with that one. He's always won something. He's always won big stuff. He's not just won trophies with big teams or big budgets but he's done it in a way that no one else has done before with a style that's done before and you know maybe his Bayern Munich team you know I think his his Barca team will go down as one of the best teams ever stylistically and in terms of what they've won which is the perfect combination his City team will go down as one of the most dominant in, in England ever one of the most impressive like a historic City team not just a team that won the, the title because they were good like like Leicester's was a fantastic but they, story. But they Chelsea, raised the bar so much that year. Yeah, exactly. Leicester was a fantastic story. Chelsea under Conte, they did it with a back three, a new way of doing it. But no one's... It's not the same. It's not the same. I'm sorry, it's not the same. Bayern, maybe his Bayern team won't go down in history as the best Bayern Munich ever. But from a coaching point of view, people are talking about fraud and all this, which is ridiculous. Like Again, <laughs> you can talk about... This is it. Like You can talk about Guardiola. Or maybe he's not the best manager ever. Or, or maybe he's not top three managers ever maybe he's top four but you can't go to the other end of the spectrum and say fraud that's mental I mean people who say that are genuinely not worth interacting with but to go back to the Bayern Munich thing from a coaching point of view he left Barca a very Barcelona style of play Spanish football specific style of play went to a new league different country different ideals and coached those players to do it to play a different type of football and they still won 
it wasn't oh we're going to try and play a new type of football but it's going to struggle at first and you might not win something which is what happened at City but, but, but you still but what I find style, fascinating about, won as well what I find fascinating about all that though is you, you take Guardiola's Barcelona his Bayern Munich and his City teams they don't play the same way yeah exactly so Barca was pure I was asked this question on Russian TV the other day I'm not sure if that's a mic drop post post <laughs> or whatever but I was asked they were like oh is City like the most pure Pep team I was like no pure Pep was Barca because that was kind of untainted by anything. Obviously, he'd gone around the world playing-wise. But in terms of ideals of how Barcelona should play, he knew how Barcelona should play. Because it was what Cruyff had told him. It was how he'd been doing it. And it was how he decided they should play. How he'd done it in the B team. And he decided they were going to do that. And he had, they had the players to do that because of La Masia. And they did it. And that was pure pep. And then he went to Bayern. And yeah, the inverted fullbacks to guard against a counter-attack. Because he's gone there and thought, hold on, counter-attacks, Germany... We're going to struggle here. So he found a way to come up with that, fixing the problem with that. Um, wingers coming more in, like much more wingers played with four forwards because he was like, well, these are the players we've got. Obviously at Barca, which we can go into later on, but famously got rid of um, Deco and Ronaldinho, who were amazing players. Etu lasted a year. Um, different calibre of players, different type of players at Bayern, adapted to them, but also you know made... Buy and adapt to him. So coaching-wise, that is what our coach does. They get their teams playing their style of football, and he was successful. So box ticked. Next, Man City exactly the same. <laughs> but just this idea. So there's so many different ideas. So one, one is that he's somehow lucky that he's got Messi, which t- or he had Messi, which ties into the fact that oh, he's only won the Champions League with Messi. So. Nobody has, has, maybe I'm mad, has anyone ever said, ever, Messi's lucky he had Guardiola? Or, oh, Messi's lucky he worked with such a great coach at such a young age? Like, does anyone even Not- acknowledge that it was a mutually beneficial relationship? It seems to be, probably just because this is the silent, well, a noisy minority of idiots, but it just seems to be all you ever hear is, oh, well, it's lucky he had Messi. Otherwise, it never would have amounted to anything as a coach. Well, which just is just a- patently... On a, on a flip side of that, how many times has Messi won the Champions League without well, Guardiola? Yeah, this is what we're going to go to. So the other side of that is, so Messi and Pep were great for each other. There is no doubt in my mind, and surely no doubt in anyone's reasonable mind, that Guardiola improved Messi as a footballer, made him a better player. Messi was fantastic anyway. May well have been the best player ever. We don't know if he'd have been the best player ever without Guardiola. He might have been. But he might have had... Barca were in a bad way when they got Pep. The year before they beat... So the year before he took over, they lost 4-1 at the Bernabeu under Rijkaard. And it was one of the, it was like, we know when Spanish football clubs go into crisis and it's like, bloody hell, Lux, you're still second. Or whatever. <laughs> um, A crisis of City proportions yeah, yeah, this season. But, yeah, but they lost 4-1 at the Bernabeu and it was like one of the worst results they've ever had. A year later, they went back there with Messi as a false nine. The first time, this whole idea of in- inventing a false nine. Guardiola's idea. They won 6-2. And I think it was something like they had eight or nine of the same players. So if Guardiola hadn't have gone there in the, and they'd have carried on with that same team that were lost 4-1 four, four, and they picked the next bad coach or Rijkaard had to continue, would Messi have thrived? I'd, I, he might have. He might have. But would he have flourished so much? I don't know. Like, there's no guarantees. So yeah, so to go back to your point, the other implication there is, oh, well, anyone can win the Champions League with Messi. Messi's winning the Champions League left, right and centre. He's won one since Pep left. So, fine, he's won more than Pep has. He's won one more. But that was five years ago. He's not winning them left, right and centre. And Barca have won the Champions League five times in their history, the same as Bayern, which we'll get to. <laughs> when Pep left Barca, he'd won 50% of their Champions League <laughs> as a manager. We're not, no point in mentioning as a player, because it's a different thing. But yeah. he did win with the first one as a player. Um, Messi, he may well get the medal for the one in 2006, but... I mean, he's not, that wasn't Messi. That wasn't the Messi that's going to win your games. You didn't play in all those games. That's not the Messi that carries you to the final. That isn't the Messi that's part of this debate of Messi's going to carry this manager and his teammates to a final. That wasn't the same Messi. He was 12. Like, it's, so when, he, when Pep left, he had 50% of Barcelona's Champions Leagues. Messi's won one since, which isn't the landslide that would suggest He's the, He's the, magic the sole bullet. reason. Yeah. yeah, the magic bullet, exactly. So that's, that's nonsense. And then Bayern. So the idea, again, that Guardiola goes for easy choices. Now, when he came, I was told, and also when he was at City, after the first year when he lost, when they lost to Monaco, 
I was told, and again, this might not be what people want to believe, but Guardiola chose Man City because he thought it was a really big challenge because City are kind of a blank canvas. They haven't got the history of United or Liverpool. I think even Chelsea, he was thinking, because of, you know, just the kind of, how they kind of established themselves in the, in the Premier League. Uh, certainly under Mourinho, there was a bit of dominance there and they came back in the 2010s or whatever. But he thought City was this blank canvas, a massive challenge, especially in the Champions League, especially in the Champions League, because obviously Chelsea had won it. United had won it. They got their history there. Liverpool had got their history there. People might not want to believe that, fine. Um, but people talk about him taking easy decisions. And the other thing you could say is, well, they have got loads of money, so he would be backed. So fair enough. He, I can understand that. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not going to sit here and say Guardiola's a saint. I'm not going to sit here and say Guardiola's amazing. But what just, just riles me is just so many of the arguments against him are stupid. Like I wrote an article earlier this season that he handled that Bernardo Silva thing terribly. I got into arguments with the club about it. I don't know if Guardiola saw it. I don't know. But, I mean, I've not heard about it if he did. But if he did, he probably would have thought, because he so clearly didn't get it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. He probably would have thought my article thinks, what's he doing having a go at me for? This is ridiculous. But I, I wrote that because I thought Guardiola was wrong. I've said many times this season, I've said on the podcast, he's made mistakes this season, tactically, trying to cover for the injuries that have led to City being behind Liverpool before that Liverpool game. So when it was only six or seven points, partly that was, partly, there's loads of things, but part of that was because Guardiola's made mistakes. So I completely acknowledge those. But these ideas that he's some kind of fraud, he just walks into top jobs and should go to Bolton, it's just like, have people lost their minds? So Bayern, yeah, he took over a buying team that won the treble, which was pretty unfortunate. Um, but when he took the job, and that was announced midway through the season, like it was when he was a With city, Pellegrini and City. I, yeah. I can't say for sure, because I, I haven't checked today, but I'm sure I've looked at this before. I'm pretty sure um, Borussia Dortmund were top of the league when he was announced, or maybe not when he was announced, but when the talks were taking place, because obviously they didn't have the talks one day before he was announced. Yeah. So Dortmund were top, and also Bayern won the league in 2013. But they hadn't won it since 2010. He wasn't going to the Bayern Munich that... That he left. ...batters. Yeah, that batters teams all the time. Yeah, obviously, Bayern have always been a big team in German football. They were one of the teams in the 70s to win back-to-back European Cups before that stopped happening, which we'll get to again. <laughs> they were always a huge team. But the whole idea of Bayern dominance, that all hasn't always been the case. You know, 90s, 2000s, and particularly that period. You know, that wasn't... You know, Dortmund were good. Dortmund were winning the leagues around then. Bayern hadn't won the league for three years. Guardiola, when he took that job, Bayern were not at the top of the tree. When he said yes, when he signed that contract, they weren't at the top of the tree. So if you're talking about choices, he didn't take the easy choice there. And again, maybe this sounds like I'm going into bat for him, and I'm always kind of wary of that. But at the end of the day, if it's your job to write about somebody who is fantastic at what they do, and criticise them when they make mistakes. But they don't make many mistakes. You have to say that they're fantastic at what they do and criticise the mistakes. It's yeah, then you, then you that. do that. But, and then, and yeah, we're talking about this because it's a podcast and, you know, it's a quiet week. So City aren't playing next weekend. They didn't play last weekend. So what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about this. So he didn't take the easy route there. And then, okay, so, so the, the choice was not cut and dry. Bayern weren't dominant. And then he took over a team that did win the treble. So people have always held that against him. Because, well, Bayern won the Champions League. And to be fair, they got to the final the year before with Heinkers. So there was a bit of pedigree there. But the semi-finals, which we'll all go into, I'm writing a piece about this ahead of the Real Madrid game. We'll go into the semi-finals and all of those ins and outs. Didn't get to the final, which people hold against him, which Guardiola clearly hates the fact that people hold it against him. Um, but yeah, didn't do it. But again, we're, talking, we're looking at Bayern Munich. The last, they've won five as well. The last time they won the Champions League, before Heinkers won it, and before Guardiola, well, when Guardiola put pen to paper, it was 2001. This isn't, this isn't like Messi, somebody who's winning the Champions League every year. It's not like... And then he's gone there and failed to do it. It's yeah. not like they won five out of six Champions Leagues. And he went there, and then suddenly they stopped doing it. And he, all of his changes made it stop working. Like, Bayern just won the Champions League. Teams can win the Champions League. How many teams, up until around that time when Real Madrid started going mad, people talked about winning the Champions League, repeating the Champions League. Impossible. It can't be done. It doesn't happen. It hadn't happened for 30 years or whatever. Real Madrid did it. That's an incredible achievement. And that's why when people say Zidane's a bad coach or, oh, we don't know if Zidane's a good coach. Yes, he is. Yes, obviously (laughs) he is. Clearly he is. Obviously he is. So 
yeah, so that's all mad. I'm not sure if there's anything else I need to get off my chest specifically about this. But, yeah, it's fine. It's, even Guardiola said last year after the Spurs game, maybe there's something they need to do in the Champions League. But it gets maybe to him. It does to get change. to him, doesn't it? It does get to him. But it gets to me. It gets to me <laughs> and it's nothing to do with me. If I was him, I'd be saying at every opportunity. Yeah. Every game I win, I think I'd be, I'd be... I'll be even more sarcastic than he already is. Yeah, laying on the sarcasm thick and fast. Uh, I mean, the, the other thing was, I mean, Richard Keats tweeted, uh, I, yes. I saw you taking this to town, um, and it was it was the fact that he'd had improving players, yeah. in inverted commas, yeah. as, if, as if that's something that Guardiola is, is on, only does, kind of like, it's, it's a myth that Guardiola does that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, the evidence like, is there. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, Guardiola supposedly got this reputation <laughs> for improving players. So what, you mean he hasn't? Well, Guardiola every, doesn't improve players. Pretty much every player is ever coached. What are you on about? Like, what are you talking about? A year ago, you could look at any Man City eleven basically on paper, and you could say nine of them, maybe ten of them on a good day, were playing the best football of their careers. We've talked about the Messi thing. We've talked about Xavi and Iniesta. Were they not one of them on the bench or both of them on the bench when they won it in two thousand and six? Just two years later, integral to. Um, well, three years later, integral to the team that won it in Rome. You know, just completely gets players. You know, fine, some players, it's not going to work in the system, they get rid of them. But that's no different to any manager. What player, what manager has ever got a player into their system and won consistently? You know, Mourinho will go, oh, I'm not having him gone. Normal, absolutely fine. People seem to love Mourinho. I know Mourinho gets a lot of stick. But it's almost like Mourinho is some kind of moral victory in all this. Like, the whole thing about Guardiola's sabbatical, the whole narrative, again, <laughs> is that Mourinho somehow broke him as a manager. It's like, we didn't win the league that year and he left. Which was kind of like because he didn't get the whole overhaul of Barca and the whole politics side of things. And yeah, it was intense. But people close to Guardiola, they fully believe, and I think there's a lot to back this up, they fully believe that 5-0 when Barca beat Real Madrid. When I think both teams have won all their games, about 13 games into the season in December. And Barca took them apart 5-0. That finished Mourinho. People in Spain think that's what finished him at Real Madrid. He went really paranoid then. Um, that's when he started playing two holding midfielders in games. Went really defensive. You know, that had a profound impact on him. But you always... It's just this idea that, oh, Mourinho broke Guardiola because once he decided to leave Barca because he didn't win the league. It's like, look at what he did win when he was there against <laughs> Mourinho's teams. All these ideas, it's just... And this whole Richard Keyes idea of... He doesn't improve players. This is why, like, if, if people had have said, if people had written, like, well-reasoned articles, oh, yeah, well, maybe Guardiola should be doing better here or should be doing better there. I'm not going to come on a podcast and take it apart. But if you've got this whole idea of Paul Merson going, how can he be the best in the world? And Richard Keyes going, if you notice the theme with these names, yeah. and Richard Keyes going, oh, he doesn't improve players. And... Just the general Twitter opinion of this and that. It's just nonsense, isn't it? I suspect it's because fraud fits so nicely into the start of his name. That just makes it so easy. Yeah, well, he actually <laughs> said that, didn't he? Like, he referred to that fraud. He obviously knows about it. Yeah. He just wind him up. I think the question 20 minutes ago was, why does this happen? I don't know why it happens. <laughs> I don't know why it happens. Is it, because, is it because he's so annoyed? People are so annoyed about people like me saying he's great. And people even more... Um, emphatic than me saying this is the best manager ever look at how he's affected German football look at how he's infected English football which he has by the way like it's not a coincidence teams play different football teams teams have been more successful while he's there maybe maybe that's correlation not causation but Spain winning the World Cup definitely had his fingerprints on it it was his team minus Messi basically there was like seven they played his way they were, they, but they were actually more defensive. They kept the ball more because they didn't have Messi. Or, well, they kept the ball more. It happens. You know, the, but maybe people don't like this idea that Guardiola is, refer, is revered as this perfect guy and this nice guy because he's got a bit of an edge to him. And when he loses, he can be a bit of a dick. But I refer you to Jose Mourinho, any Alex mani- Ferguson, any manager ever. Jurgen Klopp, Sam Allardyce, David Moyes, whoever. Me, you, whoever. So, what, yeah. Why is he held to a different standard? Maybe because for, for the good things, we, we, people say he's the best manager ever. But I don't know why that is so vehemently denied when nobody would vehemently deny Ferguson being the best manager ever. And I wouldn't. But I remember Oliver Kay did a tweet about this a couple of years ago, just like devil's advocate. He was like, oh yeah, well when he was at Aberdeen, Celtic and Aberdeen were <laughs> weak. 
Um, so he took advantage of that. He came to United. He only won two Champions Leagues in 20 years. That's not good enough. Um, he needed to spend a British record on Roy Keane. He needed to spend a record on Varane. Um, he fell out with too many players. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he wasn't saying for a minute that that actually diminishes Ferguson's reputation. But if you wanted to go out of your way to find reasons, you could do that. And you could do that with anyone. You, you, how, who has won as much as Pep Guardiola? Who has a better record in the Champions League and the league? Carlo Ancelotti has won more Champions League, but he hasn't got the leagues. People say, oh, Carlo, to be fair, people do say about Ancelotti, he hasn't got the league pedigree with the big teams. But they don't say, Carlo Ancelotti is a moron, he's an idiot. He's <laughs> it's just, oh yeah, it's just, he, but it's just with Guardiola, there's this extra level of vitriol. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, just to finish this off nicely, and given this the, is the longest podcast of the season. Given the two topics that we've talked about, um, what happens if he wins the Champions League with City? but it's after Messi's signed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you'll have, let's throw another name in, Stan Collymore, because Collymore was one of these people who said before, and during that first season, that Pep's football wouldn't work in England, but doesn't have the decency. He's got an opinion and he's stuck to it. Yeah, credit credit to credit. But exactly, but when I do that, I'll have the decency to admit I was wrong. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it was, oh no, but if, he's, if he really wants to do it, then he needs to win it again, and then he wins it again. And then, oh, if he really wants to do it, he needs to win the Champions League. But if he does win the Champions League, and with this... 1.2% chance of it happening it's with Messi you just know what's going to happen or you only can do it with Messi yeah. but then Messi will have won Messi will have then been this is such nonsense thing to talk about but Messi would have then it's been presumably no game this won. week it's alright yeah. if Messi doesn't win the Champions League with Barca this year comes to City and he does win it he will have won four where he's been integral to and three of them will have been with Pep and maybe people will then say actually Messi maybe can only, yeah. Me, yeah, Messi's lucky he's had Guardiola otherwise he would only have one Now to finish, we're going to uh, take some questions uh, from uh, Twitter. Uh, Sam, I'm going to rush through these. First one from me. Um, will City come to regret accepting a million pound settlement from Liverpool for their hacking the scouting platform? Well, probably in terms of PR, which is incredibly important to me because this is an opinion, but I'm pretty sure. If this had been the other way around, with, look, with everything rightly, or well, rightly, you know, all the Football League stuff that's been thrown at City, there's a lot of spotlight on them. And there's a lot. And City say it's out of context and there's an agenda against them. But that material made them look really bad and has put City in a bad light. Whether it's right or not, it has. Um, so if this had happened and City were hacking Liverpool, it wouldn't matter if it was five years ago, six years ago, because that was when the FFP stuff was going on and that obviously hasn't mattered. And you would not have heard the end of it. You would not have heard the end of it. And I think Liverpool's, as a club, would have been quite PR savvy and would have given a bit of information about it. And said, would they have signed a non-disclosure agreement? Yeah, well, there, there, there's that. Yeah, exactly. Might, quite possibly not. Um, and quite possibly would have, you know, just given a bit of information to journalists about this is what happened. We're not very happy about it. Um, and, you know, keep, keep it in the public eye. And the nature of the press pack following Liverpool probably would have. Um, meanwhile, people, you know, City fans have been asking up until recently, when, now it's been dropped, why is this not in the media? I've tried. And you would think we've had this, we've had discussions with this. You would think for Man City this is an open goal. You know, you want to throw a bit back. You know, when Kaldun Almabarak gave that interview at the end of last season, which I thought was a bit of a dodgy interview, really, in certain ways. But in the way he said, look, if people are briefing against us, we know about it. And I didn't have a problem with that because that's how clubs go. And you know, no club is innocent. Well, we could talk about youth football all day. Clubs have got documents on what the other clubs doing, and they can use that. If, if two clubs are going for the same youth player, they can say, well, we know you've done this. So, you know, that happens. Yeah, just so clubs know what everyone's doing. So I had no problem with that. So you would think in that context of, well, we know what other clubs are doing and we know we can come at you as well. You would think City would love that open goal of, look at this, look at this, look yeah. at this. Liverpool are terrible. Look at this. Liverpool are as bad as us. You hate us because of this. Liverpool did it as well. But I think the but key I was... I spoke to City and they will not give me anything. I swear to God. And I spoke to my Liverpool correspondent counterpart about a piece we did, a joint piece, just about everything, the rivalry off the pitch. And he, I got, I got the feeling he was quite keen to find out. He was like, oh, did City brief you on that? Because I think he would have been, I think the Liverpool press pack and Liverpool as a club would have been quite eager to see, oh, has this come from City? Because I think they were, they were eager to see, why has this story come out after six years? They, they were thinking Liverpool, City have briefed this. And as far as I know, unless they've given it to one and have absolutely shut up shop and not told anybody else, they have not given me anything. And as far as I know, a couple of colleagues I know, they haven't given them anything either. We've rang up and said, what's going on with this? 
Is there anything we can do? Like, what's the details of this? Is there, is there just more information we can say, this is what happened? They've not said anything about it. So in that sense, do they regret it? From a PR point of view, I'm sure they would like people saying, in this season of all seasons. Because, look, if people are using City's off-the-pitch stuff to take away from winning the domestic treble, then I'm sure City are thinking, well, Liverpool might get 100 points a season, they might finish unbeaten. But it'd be nice if people were saying, saying a few well, things they about, cheated yeah. us, so same thing. I'm sure they would like that. But other, other than that, no, because what could they get? A bigger settlement now? Doesn't matter. Like, if it was 5 million extra, that 4 million... As much as they put prices up for season tickets, that four million isn't going to cost make much difference. And would the Premier League um, dock Liverpool points? Not enough to give City the league this year anyway. If they if they dock Liverpool five points, it wouldn't make any difference. That would be a massive penalty. If you dock Liverpool fifty five points, I don't think yeah, City get back it would, into and it. it. And it wouldn't make a difference anyway. So will they regret it? In that sense, no. But in terms of PR, and I know we said we'd be quick here, and we really haven't. <laughs> but I think it's a good podcast. Um, yeah, I bet they. I bet they wish they could have kept it alive a bit more. And yeah, this non-disclosure agreement, which presumably they signed, I bet they probably wish they hadn't because they've they've. In my experience, they've had to adhere to that. They haven't said anything about it. Yeah. And I bet they wish they could. And it actually because also it happened when Liverpool, I guess, were irrelevant to them. They were Liverpool were seventh, eighth in the league at the time. City were going for the title. Yeah, well, I've, again, I've seen a bit of spin from the Liverpool end of, oh well, we didn't actually sign anyone the City were going for, so it didn't really matter. Not really the point. Yeah, not really the point. And also, if City thought they had to speed up transfers, which by all accounts was the case, then it's having an effect anyway. Like that's not—it's not the point. Just don't don't hack other teams. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> accept it. Well, they did. Ex- to be fair, they did accept they did it. Accept and, they it yeah. and they paid. So yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, very quickly now, uh, Man City Delhi asks, uh, "What are your thoughts on Bernardo's latest comments about players giving up mid-season due to the points gap?" Uh, now, if you've not seen it, uh, Bernardo Silva said. Uh, I think we got to one point a month ago where we gave up a bit too soon and that's why we're 20-something points behind now. We shouldn't have done that and it was not on purpose. It was in our head. Everyone was so disappointed to be already 10 or 15 points behind and our heads went a bit down. Yeah, so it's not a, a conscious thing. Not a conscious thing. They haven't gone, oh, I saw it, let's give up. Um, I've, well, at least this is the way I've been looking at the season anyway. And it fits in with the way I've been looking at it. I think it might have even been on the podcast last week when I said... Norwich and Wolves were the games. They were the key games. They did for City. And then that meant they had to go to Anfield and win, and they didn't. And that, that, that killed it then. It was like, okay. So then after that, so they were hurting after that. They were hurting big time after that. VAR, you know, Guardiola still talks about the VAR from the Spurs game. How is that a handball, the Laporte one? How is it not a handball, the Trent Alexander-Arnold ones, etc., etc. Um, so they were hurt by that. And then the Newcastle one was the killer then. I know I've said the killer about three or four games there, but that, that Newcastle one, which we saw then, because when they went to Burnley and won, they were so happy. That, yeah. Those dressing room celebrations, and the singing before they went in, it showed like how close together they are. But that win at Burnley, they were like, oh, we're still good. We can still play good football. We can still, we can still do this to teams. We're, you know, it hasn't all gone wrong, because they were, I wrote at the time, they were bemused as anyone as to what had happened. But they were hurt then. They thought, yeah, that's it. And they, they were hurt. They weren't in the right frame of mind but in, in terms of giving up on it too soon they just weren't playing very well they were they were emotionally damaged by these results for AR they weren't playing very, they didn't deserve I think what kind of mitigates it what kind of mitigates it for me as well is, is that you, you look at, at how this season has gone and even if City had been damn near perfect they're probably still behind Liverpool yeah exactly exactly this, this was and this was the thing even after the Anfield game, it was like, well, there, was, there would still be a, a fair few points behind, even if Liverpool had dropped a couple of points, and now especially. Um, so that's always kind of been the case. But the thing is, with Bernardo, I think, well, maybe that's a bit of a problem with nuance. As we <laughs> um, but I think what, what, he, what he said initially was, you know, giving up, gave up on it. That makes it sound like they've gone, well, forget it. But eventually he said, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing. It just happens. And it's like what Gundogan said. It's a normal thing. And Liverpool will fight. Every team in history who's won a trophy has to fight complacency because it's completely normal. And Liverpool will find it. If Klopp can do it again next season and the season after that and win it three times in a row, that is incredible because only Ferguson's done that in England, for, you know, in modern football. Well, yeah, yeah, modern football, fine. In the last 30 years, that's modern enough. 30 years, a long time, three decades. Um, that, that is normal, that little lowering of standards that Gundogan mentioned. And then... Yeah, if you've got a few bad defeats, they haven't given up on it. They haven't gone sod it. There's no point in trying here. They've just thought, this isn't great. And look, we saw against United, problems on the counter-attack. That was a tactical defeat, that game against United. 
they were getting counter-attacked on five or six times, clearly, in the first half. They were tactical problems. It wasn't because they gave given up. They were all over the place. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe, it was, maybe you could say they didn't put the energy in. Maybe you could say they didn't put the effort in. But, yeah, Bernardo, it's good to see a footballer speak, honestly. And Bernardo Silva, I think he said recently, he's not going to speak to journalists like me in the mix zone anymore, in English anymore, because of the whole ban thing. But he did that interview with Sky, contractually obliged to do it. And he was good. It was good to hear him speak. He's always been a good speaker. It was nice to hear him speak. It was nice to hear him speak openly. But he doesn't mean City tossed it off. He just means... The natural yeah, drop-off The circumstances happened. of the season. Yeah. There was a bit of a natural drop-off. They were upset about what was happening. They weren't playing well. And all of a sudden, before they knew it, bang Newcastle, bang Man United. It's Christmas. 15 points behind Liverpool. It's, it's, out, it's, it's gone too out of control. Much. It's yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week's Wire Weasels. You've been listening to the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. If you're listening to this now, well done. Congratulations. Yeah, well done. And also, thank you. <laughs> uh, and me, David Mooney, will be back next week. Don't forget for ad free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Pod.